Welcome to Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of April 16, 2017. We all like to eat, and so cooking is an important part of our everyday lives. For some, cooking is popping a frozen dinner into the microwave. For others, it's a mundane task that gets done without much imagination or variation. For some, cooking is a very satisfying hobby with very tasty results. People who are just losing their vision often feel that they can no longer cook safely and with confidence. But by learning to use the senses of smell, touch, and hearing, many people who are blind or visually impaired have not only learned to cook, but have become very good cooks. We usually think of women as the cooks, but we must remember that many of the best chefs in the most expensive restaurants are men. Bill Dethridge, who is visually impaired, is our featured guest on page two. Bill loves to cook, and he shares his joy of cooking with us this week on Soundprints. By the way, if you're looking for some accessible cookbooks, look no further than your talking book library. They have many, many Braille and audio cookbooks for you to enjoy. Or check out Bookshare at www.bookshare.org. For just $50 a year, you can download hundreds of books to your computer, iPhone, or Braille note taker and read to your heart's content. Not only do they have cookbooks, but they have mysteries, thrillers, science fiction, other nonfiction books, history, and all kinds of material. Bookshare has an amazing range of cookbooks. Here are just a few examples that I have currently in my voice dream reader. I've downloaded them for myself or to find information for others. Incredibly Decadent Desserts, 100 Divine Treats Under 300 Calories. The Complete Book of Home Canning. Art of Cake Pops. Eat the Little Book of Fast Food. Christmas Cook It in a Cup. The 10 Pounds Off Gluten-Free Diet. The easy way to drop inches in just 28 days. Desserts in jars. Pillsbury, the big book of easy baking with refrigerated dough. Eat what you love. More than 300 incredible recipes low in sugar, fat, and calories. Sugar-free baking. Crock-pot recipes ready in 4 hours or less. The Great Holiday Slow Cooker Book. The Everything Potluck Cookbook. The Everything Superfoods Cookbook. The Everything Diabetes Cookbook. The Everything Southern Cookbook. The Everything Bread Cookbook. The Everything Soup Cookbook. The Everything Cheese Cookbook. The Everything Ice Cream, Gelato, and Frozen Desserts Cookbook. The Everything Busy Moms Cookbook. The Everything Eating Clean Cookbook. Superfood Soups, Simple Healthy Recipes for Your Soup-Making Machine. Best Dump Cakes Ever, Mind-Blowingly Easy Dump and Bake Cake Mix Desserts. Cook This Now, 120 Easy and Delectable Dishes You Can't Wait to Make. 
Frozen assets, light and easy. Cook for a day, eat for a month. Sheet Pan Paleo, 200 one-tray recipes for quick preparing, easy roasting, and hassle-free cleanup. Don't Panic, quick, easy, and delicious meals for your family. Four ingredients, more than 400 quick, easy, and delicious recipes using four or fewer ingredients. The Biggest Loser Quick and Easy Cookbook, simply delicious low-calorie recipes to make in a snap. The $7 a Meal Cookbook. The Everything Quick and Easy 30-Minute 5 Ingredients Cookbook. Diabetic Living Quick and Easy Meals. Sweets on a Stick. Find many more cookbooks by visiting www.bookshare.org. Page 3 contains news and articles from our email. You'll find news about a survey from the Kentucky Talking Book Library, the announcement of the new principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind, and some major personnel changes at the Kentucky Office for the Blind and Kentucky Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. We've included two great articles posted by Kelly Gask from the ACB National Office, one about some visually impaired participants in the Boston Marathon, and the other written by one of the founders of the Internet, Vint Cerf, who is hard of hearing and very frustrated at the lack of web accessibility today. Both are good reads. Don't miss them. And on page four is the Soundprints calendar. Page two. Bill Dethridge is the president of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana. He's a past president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. He's been to several ACB national conventions, and he's worn a lot of other hats over the years, too. But today, he's visiting with us on Sound Prince to talk about a hobby of his that's actually more, of a ho- more than a hobby because... Um, a lot of people get to enjoy the um, the results of this hobby, and that is cooking. So welcome, Bill. Thank you so much. It's truly a pleasure once again to be able to do something for Sound Prince and uh, especially to get to talk about cooking. It's something that I have loved as a very young child. I can't say when. I first got interested in it, but uh, I know as a child it always amazed me seeing my mother around Christmas time and all baking cookies and things like that. And I knew a lot of people, there was a lot of guys who can cook, you know, fry things and do things on top of the stove, but I don't know too many who is really interested in baking cookies or things like that. I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know them. Making yeast rolls is... That's that's something I don't think a lot of a lot of guys and really a lot of women and men today don't do things like that. But you were just talking about making some just this week, so yes, I uh, it was around Tuesday, Wednesday. I realized you know I'm making yeast rolls. We're getting together tomorrow with Debbie's family, and on the holidays when we get together, I always make the yeast rolls. So I thought I better get to it because. It's an all-day process, I mean, but you don't need to be there with them all day. Right. You know, you mix the ingredients, knead the dough, and then let it sit for several hours. And like I've told people before, hey, you know, you while they're 
they're doing their thing, you can take off and go to coffee shop, go shopping or something like that, come back in three hours and start kneading the dough again and let them sit for another three. Or, you know, it don't keep you tied up like you might think when you say, you know, this is going to be an all-day process. Right, right. So you you enjoy baking. We had a, at our Low Vision group Thursday, you brought uh, snickerdoodles. And they yes. were so good. I mean, those were the perfect cookie. They sure did come out great. Thank you so much. And I did them the same day that I did the yeast rolls. So when Thursday came around, I said, this is truly a day of rest. I deserve <laughs> it. I find cooking fascinating. To me, it's an art. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about, I mean, who would pick up a handful of flour needed? Nobody, I mean, you know, right. disgusting. But you think you take the flour and you mix it with certain ingredients, you have a cake, you have rolls, whatever, you know. And to put that together and to see it come out and something like that is, to me, it's a truly, it's a creation. Well, and it's it's kind of interesting because I, I, I have the same uh, reaction when I go in a, store or, or um, back to my stash of yarn and here's a ball of yarn and it's going to come out you know it might be a hat or it might be a scarf or it might be a shawl or a sweater or whatever or an afghan and it doesn't it's it's no resemblance to that just plain old ball of yarn mm-hmm. but in cooking it's it's really kind of neat because you think the same ingredients you know the basic ingredients, uh, especially with baking. They, you know, the flour and the sugar and the butter and the, um, you know, that just the the basic, the salt and and the vanilla yeah. or whatever. That can be cookies or muffins or um, bread or or cake or just any number of things. You know, and you throw yeah. in a little bit of fruit and you've got a pie or a cobbler and it's just. A, you're right. It is. It is just a, amazing. Well, what what is your favorite thing to make? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I enjoy doing cookies, um, especially snickerdoodles. Uh, one thing, they're fairly simple cookie to make, and if you need something, you know, in a hurry, that uh, it's not going to keep you tied up all day. And I remember one time, I loved it. I considered it uh, really one of the. I went to this church, and I knew that you know after after the service, people have <clears throat> they have coffee hour, and people bring in cakes or you know cookies or um, or prepare a meal. And somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, what are you going to bring in?" And he said, "We want you to make something." I said, and I thought, "Oh, great!" And so I can't remember what I brought in that the next day, but there's been times that. We was in a board meeting, and somebody said, we need the things brought in. Uh, and there's especially, there's a guy that can bake cookies really well. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and most of the time, it's the guys who bring the paper plates or the cups yeah. or whatever. Yeah. The chips, you know, yeah. you don't think of them as really doing the cooking. Um, mm-hmm. Last weekend, we had a grand time. You had a... Uh, you had a pamper chef party, and and I thought it was so funny when you when you started thinking about having the pamper chef party, and and you called up and and you said, hey, would you know, you think anybody would come to my pamper chef party? Well, of course, Debbie has all yeah. kinds of parties all the time, but it was a grand party, and and the the neat thing about those is looking at all those gadgets, and I I bet you have you have a wide assortment of cooking stuff, Bill. You are always getting something new when it comes to cooking. Do you have a favorite 
gadget or a favorite item that you like to use? Mm, I don't, um, I would say probably, um, right now I'm really beginning to like the rock crock. I think it's different things at different times. A rock mm-hmm. crock is sort of like a, it can be a Dutch oven. You can use it, you know, or they have a smaller, uh, uh, pan, but you can use it for so many things. And mm-hmm. so that's what sort of interesting to me right now. Now describe that for the people who don't know what that is. And that's a Pampered Chef product, so. Yes. It's a round pot. It sort of reminds me of what I would describe it. If you took the inside part of a crock pot out and you put handles on it, and that's what it's like, and it has a glass lid on it. Now where it's different than the crock pot, it doesn't have the clamps that you can, you know, snap and the lid down and hold it down so mm-hmm. but that's the way I would describe it and it can go in the oven or the microwave on top of the stove yes mm-hmm. oh even okay. on the grill yeah oh now for your party you made you made a um, a lava cake in that yes I did okay and it was really it was a really simple cake and basically you took a chocolate cake mix, can of icing, and uh, a can of Coke, and that was it. Okay. Ten minutes later, in the microwave, you got a cake. And and now tell us how, what you did, how you made that. I took um, a can, well, I took a, put in a box of cake mix first, mm-hmm. like a, any chocolate cake mix, mm-hmm. and uh, then took a can of chocolate icing, put that in, and then took a can of... Um, Regular Coke, not the Diet Coke. Okay. Uh, but the regular Coke, put that in, mixed it all together, put the lid on the rock crock, put it in the microwave for 10 minutes, and when it came out, I had a lava cake. And it was really good. I'm going to tell you, that that was terrific. Um, that. Yeah. That, and that that's that's real simple. And But the, it's that's a good example, though, I think, of, um, the recipes that you do, you do things that are really from scratch, and then you do things that are more the convenience food recipe, too. Mm-hmm. And i got to say, that really went against my, what I've always said, because I've been a person who's not been a big fan of cake mixes and things like that. Right. I've always loved to do stuff, you know, mix the flour and the yeast, or, or the flour and the chocolate and all that together. Mm-hmm. And uh, But then sometimes... You know, I think that we all learn that sometimes change is good. Well, and and sometimes, of course, if you want to do something quickly, um, and like for the Pampered Chef parties, you use their products. The parties are great. <laughs> if, if, if you're listening and you haven't ever been to one, Pampered Chef stuff is pretty expensive sometimes, I mean, compared to going out and buying things in the store. But the parties are really fun, too, because you get to see a lot of new ideas on kitchen gadgets and stuff. Um, but the other thing that's fun about those parties is they always make something. And you made a great, you made a really good chicken dish at that party, too. Yes. Tell us about that one and what, what you cooked it in. Uh, that, we cooked that, uh, that was on the the stone, and uh-huh. uh, you mix the chicken, and uh, I'm not sure what all went into that, because basically Jackie did that. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, the so, consultant did that. Yeah. Yeah, but they come, and, and they they, they um, demonstrate some 
some things, and you can participate if you want. <laughs> somebody, somebody asked Adam. Adam, Adam went to the party. That's the first time. I think that's the first time he's ever been to one of those kind of parties, mm-hmm. any kind of party. You know how men usually clear out when you do Tupperware, and yeah. and all that. And because you were given the party, you know, yeah. he went to the party too. And somebody asked him, said, "Well, did you did you?" Um, participate in helping with the cooking and he said he said no but I certainly tested all the food <laughs> that's funny you know it reminded me of a story um, that happened one time when I guess I was maybe in teens early 20s or something uh, was my mom and dad and I went to this flea market and they had this cookware there mm-hmm. and here's my mom and I standing over there talking about this cookware and going through that and my dad, you know, so the old-fashioned type guy's like, i got to get out of here. I can't deal with this. <laughs> well, there's so, many, there's so many neat things to try out today and so many different, um, different appliances and things. We, we talked, um, I think we've talked a little bit on sound prints. We certainly have it roundabout about the new wave oven which you have the air fryer which you brought and showed us how mm-hmm. to use um i mean there's just there's always something new to to show to talk about and um but but with the hobby of cooking um i i i just think that it's really neat when when the men get into that hobby because um you know, you can be Adam's the salad man around here. Yeah, and you know, makes makes great salads. I hate to cut up stuff. You yeah, know, I just hate it. And of course, you know, there's the food processor sitting on the counter. Well, that's just fine. You can slice it all up with it and everything, and that's wonderful. But why do that when you have salad man around and he? Can... Yeah. So, and you got to be careful with the food processor. You let it run a little too long. <laughs> yeah, you get mush. <laughs> yeah. I've done that more than once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's always a you know some little gadget that you're getting. And say, oh, that'll make things so much simpler. And then you go back yeah. to the, the, the knife and you know, yeah. cutting up the carrots and the tomatoes, you know. Yeah. It's so, fascinating. Well, do you have... Um, do you have any little um, special, like little favorite tips or anything that you use? Any particular, um, you know, techniques that you especially like um, when you're preparing something like, you know, mixing up something or or getting the cookies measured out, right? I mean, just, just any little tips that maybe we well, could share? You know, the thing I think is fascinating about rolls is, or bread when you're making it, mm-hmm. I remember... I wasn't sure how, you know, when it was going, like, when do you have enough flour? You know, how wet should it be? How dry should it be? When do you have enough? Mm-hmm. And I remember asking this lady, I said, how do you know? And she's like, when you get it right, you'll know it. And I thought she was just putting me off, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, this gentleman I was talking to told me about, he was baking bread, and I told him what she said, and he said, yeah, well, no, she's not putting you off. That's the way it is. You'll know it. And that's just one of those things that there's times that to me when if the first time I mixed everything together, I expected it to be right, I'd probably never have a batch of bread. It's always one of those things where 
it's a little too wet, so you you know add a little bit more flour, then you get a little bit too much flour, then you have to add a little bit more liquid, and finally you get it to where you want it. But to me, it's one of the things I think equally as important about learning to do things right is learning how to correct your mistakes. Yes, and so of course that leads into the recipe is fine, but the recipe may not always turn out the same all the time. I think a good example of that is candy. Um, if, oh, yeah. If you're making candy, do you make candy? You make I fudge. Make, yes, I make yeah. fudge in the microwave, and I remember it took me a long time to get that right, and I remember my mother telling me sometimes it just depends on what the weather's doing outside can right. have an effect on what you're doing. Yeah, that was going to be my point, is the amount yeah. of humidity in the air yeah. can can certainly affect how that sets up. And, and you may follow the recipe exactly the same way today, and you might come back in a month or next week, make that recipe again, but the end result may be slightly different because the weather conditions, it, it might be a rainy day, it might be an extra dry, extra dry day. Um, so there's so many factors that even though, if you, even though you follow the recipe absolutely to the letter, measure everything exactly, it's still, you still are going to have to be prepared to make some changes as you go along. And some people can handle that and some people just never quite get there with that but it's but it's okay to make those changes if you're if if your candy looks too moist well then it, it maybe it didn't cook quite long enough especially candy you cook you know yeah. um the weather really affects that how quickly it, it will boil or whatever and um it so that affects how the candy will set up and I find that with chocolate fudge, too. People say, well, how long do you cook it? And it's like, well, this is what you should cook it. But sometimes it just don't seem right to me, so I put it back in for another minute or two. Right, you know, and, right. How long and, do you beat it? You know, how long yeah, do you do it? Yeah. Well, and, and it's the same thing as, as before there really were recipes when they said, well, how do you make this? Well, that, you know, years ago it was a handful <clears throat> of this and a pinch of that. Yeah. But now do you... Do you um, do you measure everything exactly, or do you kind of cook by that? Some things I do, and some things I don't. I mean, mm. there are some things I've done for so long that, you know, it's like I remember somebody asking me one time, I was saying about how to make lasagna or something like that, and they're like, do you have a recipe? And I'm like, not anymore. I, <laughs> I probably did. A friend of mine told me how to make it, and I just started making it from there, and... I knew how to do it, you know, and it, mm -hmm. I just know what goes in it. Mm -hmm. And there's some things like, you know, maybe lasagna, maybe chili, for example. I mean, those are great things to start people with because if you get a little bit too much of something or maybe not quite enough, it, it, it's not going to be ruined. It's not a disaster. It will still be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, do you enjoy doing... Well, I know you're not a vegetable person, but yeah. do you enjoy doing main course kinds of things? Oh, yes. I usually cook dinner several times a week, and uh, one of the things I've learned to do was, and I was telling, you know, a pampered chef consultant about this, and she didn't know, 
Well, when I do mashed potatoes, for example, mm-hmm. I, you know, of course, you know, peel the potatoes, cut them up, put them in water, but I don't put them in a pan and cook them on top of the stove. I put them in a glass mixing bowl that'll go in the microwave mm-hmm. and cook them for about 25 minutes. Then I can take that out and drain the water off. I can use that same bowl to mash them in. Mm-hmm. And I you know, don't dirty up two pans that way. True, true. And not only that, but the bowl is hot. You put the butter in or whatever, it's going to help melt it mm-hmm. a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's very true. What would you say to the guys that are out there going, oh, I don't like to cook, um, and uh, or, well, I just can never get things done quite right? What What would you say to them maybe in, in closing as far as encouragement to get in there and, and, and you know, get, get into the cooking thing? I would say maybe there's certain things, like it's a chili, for example, is something that's... Uh, less forgiving. It's, I remember I was listening to this tape on, or something, or thing on YouTube, and a guy was talking about playing the bass, and he said, you know, the problem with a lot of people is they try to play something too complicated too fast. He said, you know, you need to start down with your basics and work your way up. Mm-hmm. And I think possibly that's what a lot of people, you know, see somebody cooking something, they say, oh, well, that's easy. They can do it. I know I can do it. And, you know, you have to work and build yourself up to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So start out with the simple stuff. Yeah. And, and, and work your way. Yeah, be successful yeah. and then try yeah. something else. Um, well, this is this is really interesting. I'm just really glad that you had the time to talk with us today. And we love it when you bring stuff. So <laughs> those, really those cookies were a huge hit Thursday. People really enjoyed those, so. We have, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah Thank yeah. you. I well, appreciate it. APH's Draftsman Tactile Drawing Board lets you create instant raised line drawings using the included special film with a ballpoint pen or stylus. Produce maps for improving orientation and mobility skills. Practice handwriting, demonstrate math, science, or geography concepts, even make your own art. For draftsmen, call the American Printing House for the Blind toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit shop.aph.org. APH offers a growing collection of accessible mobile apps, and some are free. These apps feature content such as mathematics practice, braille practice, enhanced navigation, and fun stickers for messages. Some apps are designed for iOS, while others are compatible with Android. Learn more about mobile apps from the American Printing House for the Blind at www.aph.org slash products slash mobile hyphen apps. Page 3 around the ACB. The following announcements were posted on email list this week and may be of interest to a number of our listeners. First, Kim Charlson posted in the Lua list that ACB's representative to the NLS Collection Development Committee is Susan Glass. If you have a suggestion for the Development Committee, you can Share it with Susan by emailing her at Susan, S-U-S-A-N, C, Glass, G-L-A-S-S, at A-T-T dot net. 
The Kentucky Council of the Blind received the following email from Barbara Penagor, director of the Kentucky Talking Book Library, this past week. The Kentucky Talking Book Library is asking for assistance in identifying why so many people who are eligible for our service are not registered users. Our library provides free library service to people who are physically unable to read standard print due to a visual or physical disability. We provide Braille and audio books by mail and by download on the Internet. The following is a link to a brief online survey. Please use email or special media to share this survey with anyone you know who is blind, has low vision, or is physically unable to hold a book and turn pages. This includes fellow members of all organizations as well as professionals and other related organizations. We will greatly appreciate your help in helping us learn how we may better serve those who could benefit from our service. The survey is at www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash ktbl outreach survey. Listeners know that Allison Flanagan is retiring as director of the Kentucky Office for the Blind. This week, Beth Kuhn, Commissioner of the Kentucky Department of Workforce Investment, the Kentucky Career Center, made the following announcement concerning the Kentucky Office for Vocational Rehabilitation. She writes, I am very pleased to announce that Becky Cabe has been detailed to special duty as the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation Acting Executive Director, effective May 1, 2017. Becky's career has been centered in vocational rehabilitation services. She comes to this role with both deep rehabilitation and management expertise and experience both at OVR and currently at the Office for the Blind. Since 2013, Becky has been the Assistant Director of Consumer Services for the Office for the Blind. She started her career with the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation after graduating from Eastern Kentucky University with a degree in Vocational Counseling and Psychology. After three years with OVR, she had an opportunity to work and travel in Europe for an extended period. She then returned to Lexington and worked for over 30 years in consumer services with a community rehabilitation program. During that time, she earned her Master's in Rehabilitation Counseling from the University of Kentucky and became a Certified Rehabilitation Counselor. For three years, she also owned her own rehabilitation consulting business, providing job placement for individuals and consulting with nonprofit rehabilitation programs, concentrating on staff development, quality improvement, and capacity building. For over 20 years, she has also been a surveyor for CARF, C-A-R-F, providing field surveys to review peer-driven national quality standards at community rehabilitation programs throughout the country. Please join me in welcoming Becky to her new role. I look forward to working with Becky, Cora McNabb, John Palisk, and all of you in our continuing efforts to transform the workforce system. Additional note, Becky Cabe served on the OFB, Statewide Rehabilitation Council, for several years. The following announcement was received from Linda Funke of the Kentucky Department of Education 
on April 7 and reads, Dear KSB family, I am pleased to announce that Ms. Jackie Williams has been appointed as acting principal of the Kentucky School for the Blind. This decision follows an extensive nationwide search that included a rigorous screening of applicants, multiple interviews from a 10-member panel of experts that included KSB alumni, the KSB Charitable Foundation, KDE staff, members of the blind community, and parents. I also conducted interviews with the recommended finalists. Ms. Williams isn't new to KSB. She has been teaching at KSB during the 2016-2017 school year. Prior to her employment with KSB, Ms. Williams served nearly 10 years in the Breckenridge County School District as a teacher and administrator. During the 2014-2016 school years, she served as assistant principal at Hardensburg Elementary School. Additionally, Ms. Williams has served as a positive behavior intervention and support PBIS coach, evaluator of general and special education teachers, instructional coach, and many other leadership roles related to special education. Please join me in welcoming Ms. Williams as our new acting principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind. She is looking forward to serving the students, families, and community of KSB, and in her own words, she has a whatever-it-takes viewpoint and will advocate for students to ensure each receives the best possible education. The next item was posted by Kelly Gask from the American Council of the Blind Alexandria, Virginia office on the ACB Leadership List and Facebook page on April 14, 2017. Olive Garden accused of having an inaccessible website to the visually impaired. This article appeared on flarecord.com. From Miami, a Broward County man alleges Olive Garden's website is not accessible to the visually impaired. Dennis Haynes filed a complaint on April 3 in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida against Olive Garden Holdings, LLC, alleging violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. According to the complaint, the plaintiff alleges that he visited the defendant's website but was unable to enjoy full and equal access to it because portions of the site are not readable by screen reading software. The plaintiff holds Olive Garden Holdings, LLC, responsible because the defendant allegedly violated the ADA by depriving the plaintiff of the opportunity to participate in or benefit from its goods and services. The plaintiff seeks judgment against defendant, order to alter the website, update and maintain its website to ensure accessibility, attorney's fees, costs, litigation expenses, and other remedies the court deems just. He is represented by Jeanette E. Albo of Thomas B. Bacon, P.A., in Miami and Thomas B. Bacon of Thomas B. Bacon, P.A., in Mount Dora. Next is an article posted by Kelly Gask 
on ACB Leadership announced and the Facebook page on April 13. It's entitled, Team with a Vision, Elite Runners Looking to Stand Out in Boston Marathon. The inspirational Team with a Vision, TWAV, whose blind and visually impaired runners include nationally and world-ranked elite runners with impressive credentials, will be making their mark at this year's Boston Marathon. This article is from the prweb.com website. Which Boston Marathon team will have the biggest impact this year? We make a case for the inspirational team with a vision, TWAV, whose blind and visually impaired runners and their sighted guides include nationally and well include nationally and world-ranked elite runners with serious credentials. A few of the team's standouts are looking to make impressive runs this year. Kurt Fine, F-I-E-N-E, is notably one of the top 500 fastest athletes taking part in the Boston Marathon, with a PR of around 250. Unlike the other runners in his corral, Fine was born without irises. He has no vision in his right eye and 2400 vision in his left. He started running after graduating from college, and in 1994 he competed at the International Paralympics Committee World Championships, taking home bronze, silver, and gold medals. My main goal with running is to promote causes for the visually impaired, Fine says. I want to give back to organizations that have helped me in my life. A former men's blind American Marathon record holder, Kurt is sure to set a blistering pace this year. Aaron Scheides has overcome more in his short life than many conquer in a lifetime. Born with a hereditary eye condition that slowly deteriorates his central vision, Aaron now has about 15% of the vision of a fully sighted person. Aaron has won the Men's Visually Impaired VI Division in the Boston Marathon the last three years and has come close to breaking the Men's Blind American Marathon record time. He and Kurt Fine have a friendly rivalry that spectators will be watching closely this year. Having traveled around the globe and competed in nearly 250 triathlons, Aaron is a seven-time world champion para-triathlete eight-time national champion, para-triathlete, and 2011 ESPY finalist. He was named 2013 para-triathlete of the year by U.S. Triathlon. Aaron also chairs his own organization to raise funds for disabled causes and inspire disabled people to pursue their own dreams. Aaron has been featured in such magazines as GQ, Esquire, Competitor, Runner's World, Time, People, ESPN, The Magazine, and Men's Health. Aaron is looking to defend his title and post another Men's VI Division victory. Randy Pierce has faced his challenges in a big way, even after being rendered blind and confined to a wheelchair by a neurological disease at 22 years old. He learned to walk, then run again. He has been featured in numerous media outlets, including HBO's Inside the NFL, even inducted into the Visa Hall of Fans at the Pro Football Hall of Fame for his devotion to the New England Patriots, and was named one of Oberto's Heroes of Summer for his Tough Mudder 
performances in 2015. A sports enthusiast with a second degree black belt in karate, he became the first blind hiker to summit all 48 of the New Hampshire 4,000 footers during the summer and winter. Never one to rest, last fall, with the support of his guides, Randy climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. In 2015, he ran his first Boston Marathon as a member of Team with a Vision. Last year, Randy was one of six to take part in Ragnar's Reach the Beach, New Hampshire, ultra-distance, all-visually-impaired team. His passion for new experiences continues to encourage him to turn adversity into growth and opportunity, inspiring others to reach their peak potential. 2017 will be the 25th consecutive year in which MABVI has fielded team with a vision for the Boston Marathon. The team's runners come from all over the United States, as well as Canada, France, and the United Kingdom. Each year we are honored to bring these incredible athletes together to compete in this historic race, said Barbara Salisbury, CEO of the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired, MABVI. On one of sports' biggest stages, these runners are proving the potential of people with disabilities everywhere. To learn more about Team with a Vision, visit mabvi.org slash team with a vision. Here is another item from Kelly Gask posted on April 11. It is entitled, Internet Inventor, Make Tech Accessibility Better Already. Vent Surf says, It's almost criminal that programmers aren't held accountable to design with disabilities in mind. This article is from CNET.com. Vint Cerf is often called the father of the Internet. Consider him a pretty stern papa. Cerf, who is hearing impaired, played an integral part in the invention of some of the most crucial technologies of the last half century, including the Internet and email. But as quickly as he'll extol how tech can advance society, he won't mince words about its track record accommodating people with disabilities. Accessibility shouldn't be a pixie dust designers sprinkle on as an afterthought, he said. It's a crime that the most versatile device on the planet, the computer, has not adapted well to people who need help, who need assistive technology, he said in an interview last month. It's almost criminal that programmers have not had their feet held to the fire to build interfaces that are accommodating for people with vision problems or hearing problems or motor problems. Plenty of guidelines for designing accessible technology exist and their implementation too often has been subordinate to other design goals, he said. Surf is best known as one of the designers of the architecture for the Internet in the early 1970s, helping to shape the rules that dictate where Internet traffic goes and, about a decade later, helping to deliver the first commercial email system. Today, he is Google's chief Internet evangelist and contributes to the People-Centered Internet, a group he co-founded to advance connectivity worldwide. His own disability and the disability of people close to him shaped his approach to tech, he said. 
email, for one, brought Surf more than the typical benefit of posting and interacting on your own timeline. Because I'm hearing impaired, emails are a tremendously valuable tool because of the precision that you get, he said, sitting on a hotel couch in his trademark three-piece suit before a SXSW keynote organized by engineering trade organization IEEE. On this occasion, it was gray pinstripe with a blue shirt. I can read what's typed as opposed to straining to hear what's being said. He's not alone in needing an assist from technology. About 360 million people worldwide have a hearing disability, roughly 5% of all the people on earth, according to the World Health Organization. Then factor in those with vision, motor or other impairments. In the U.S. alone, more than one in three households have a member who identifies as having a disability, according to panel research by Nielsen last year. Email and the Internet were also crucial to his wife's adaptation to her own disability, even though Surf teases her for being uninterested in email for more than two decades after he began playing with network mail in the early 70s. Sigrid Surf, who became deaf as a three-year-old because of spinal meningitis, finally took the plunge onto the net in the mid-90s to learn about cochlear implants, surgically embedded devices that bypass the ear and send the brain signals it interprets as sound. She learned about the technology and the doctors specializing in it at Johns Hopkins Hospital by surfing the web. She couldn't get anybody's attention at Johns Hopkins until somebody in Israel put her in touch with an email exchange, he said. Even as an inventor of the Internet, Surf said he was amazed by the role email and the net played in so fundamentally changing his wife's relationship with her disability. Surf's awareness of disability also sharpened his criticism of tech's shortcomings. It can't be a pixie dust that you sprinkle on top of the program and suddenly make it accessible, which is the behavior pattern in the past, he said. Accessibility should be a design choice that is rewarded, something a lot of companies have not stepped up to, he added. But he believes awareness among engineers and designers is improving. For people with hearing impairments, speech-to-text products are growing more sophisticated like automatic closed captioning on YouTube. Voice command technologies like those in Amazon's Alexa, Apple's Siri, and Google Assistant are more commonplace. And most recently, neural networks, a programming technique based loosely on how the human brain learns, are advancing speech synthesis to make it more natural for people with vision or physical disabilities to interact with technology. Perhaps most encouraging, he said, is a growing recognition in the tech community that accessibility is important. We need to build in these things from the beginning, he said. That's very powerful stuff. Page 4, Sound Prince Calendar. On April 21, the Greater Louisville Council of Bond Roundabout will include individualized technology, genealogy, 
Braille and other instruction from 3.30 to 5 p.m., an intro to search techniques from 5 to 6, dinner, 6 to 7, $5 per person, the book club will meet during dinner, and there will be a bargain table, games and crafts, and other activities following dinner. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On April 22, there will be a walking tour of Clifton from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. This is sponsored by the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. Join them for a walking tour of the Clifton neighborhood starting at the historic 1883 APH building on the grounds of the printing house. Learn about the evolution of the area from a sparsely populated rural community in 1830 to a densely settled urban Louisville neighborhood. This is free and it's best for older children and adults. To sign up, call the museum at 502-899-2213. On April 24, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will have their membership call. It will be at 7 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006. The code is 294444. On April 26, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind invites you to their peer support group meeting from 12 to 2 p.m. at the Bluegrass Council office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call them at 859-259-1834. On April 28, the Kentucky Office for the Blind Statewide Rehabilitation Council will meet from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. Call Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754 for more information. Also on April 28 is the GLCB Roundabout and Spring Quarterly Meeting. There will be education and tech activities from 3.30 to 4.45. The bargain table and sign-in for the meeting, 4.45. The program and speaker will begin at 5.15. Dinner at 6 o'clock. And the business meeting and elections from 7 to 8.30. $5 per person for the entire event. It will be held at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to register. On May 2, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, access code 294444. The program will be announced soon. On May 3 is the KCBPR membership meeting, also on the same conference line at 8 p.m. On May 4, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its conference call for the month. Blind Lions from around the country are invited to share ideas and ways to be involved in local clubs, and we'll also be doing some planning for the upcoming Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind and discussing some constitutional amendments to the ACBL Constitution. This call is at 9 p.m., on the line at 712-432-3900. The code is 796096. On May 6, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites you to our Derby Party, 10.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Plan to come early, stay late, or come early and leave early, come late and stay late. 
Enjoy friends, games, and food all day. $5 per person at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Call 502-895-4598 to register. On May 7, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Committees will meet by telephone on the conference line. Advocacy at 7 o'clock, Education and Technology at 8, Activities at 9. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On May 9 is the Kentucky School for the Blind Founders Day. Celebrate KSB's 175th anniversary at this special Founders Day dinner and program. Tickets are $10 per person and must be purchased in advance. For more information, call the Kentucky School for the Blind at 502-897-1583, extension 7117. May 16 is the next Library Without Walls conference call. Share great books with book lovers from across the country. Sponsored by the Library Users of America, Lua. More details and the conference number coming soon. On May 27, KCB Next Generation invites everyone to participate in a Bell of Louisville lunch cruise. Contact Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774 for more information on this and other Next Generation activities. On June 10, the KCB Next Generation invites everyone to its all-council picnic to be held at the Brown Park in Louisville. More details from Amanda Selm at 502-750-1774. On June 30 to July 7 is the 56th Annual National Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind in Reno, Nevada. Call us at 502-895-4598 or visit the ACB website at www.acb.org for more information. And finally, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association invites everyone to its 2017 reunion, August 4 and 5 at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. For more information, call Adam or Carla Rushville at 502-897-1472. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.